through the prophesying of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. After 15 years of laying idle with only the foundation laid through the preaching and prophesying of those prophets of the Lord, the people began to build the house of the Lord once again. And during that time, the governor showed up and questioned them as to why, what uh, they were doing, so on and so forth. And uh, a desire to search for the decree that Cyrus made uh, to build this temple uh, was made. So we come to the sixth chapter in the book of Ezra, beginning with verse 1. Uh, we see Darius. Now, you will remember that King Cyrus was the one that gave the decree to allow the people to go back to Israel and to rebuild the temple. And uh, Cyrus died. His son Cambyses rose to power. And it was Cambyses who stopped the work of the temple. And that stopped for 15 years until the prophets of the Lord rose up, began to preach, and to tell the people to uh, begin to build the temple of the Lord. And then a new king in adjacent to those prophets prophesying, Darius has risen to power. He is sitting on the throne of the Medo-Persian Empire. And so now we have a decree from Darius. So in chapter 6 of Ezra, beginning with verse 1, if you have it, say amen. amen. It says, Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in the house of the rolls where the treasure was laid up in Babylon. And there was found out at Akmatha, and that simply means it's a coffer or is a coffer. Uh, so found in the coffer in the palace that is in the province of the Medes, a roll, and therein was a record thus written. So we showed you last week the questioning of the governor is actually going to be for the good of the people because a decree is going to be searched for uh, and it is found, that decree of Cyrus, which was made sometime before, allowing them to do the work of the temple. And so in verse 3, it says, In the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king, made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices. Let the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof three score cubits, and the breadth thereof three score cubits, with three rows of great stones and a row of new timber, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house. And also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought into Babylon, be restored and brought again unto the temple, which is at Jerusalem, every one to his place, and place them in the house of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We ask for your inspiration to teach it and to receive it tonight. We thank you for your presence and instruction of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> so we see through Darius, his request to search for the decree that Cyrus made, allowing the people to go back home and rebuild their temple. Uh, that uh, decree has issued in the finding of the Cyrus decree, which allowed them to do this. Amen. And so what we have here is we have government's involvement in the things of God. It's a good thing that we have government. Government is a gift from the Lord. And uh, 
you are very familiar if you've taught home Bible studies before that human government was established uh, after the flood. After Noah came out of the ark, God established a dispensation called human government and that dispensation is ongoing at the present time. We are still under human government. We're in the church age as well, but human government and the church age overlap. So we are still in uh, the dispensation of human government. That's why you see in this chapter, you see Gentile world powers and kings involved in the things of the Lord because God has chosen through human government to do three things. Number one, to restrain evil in the world. Number two, to establish order in the world. And number three, he at times will choose even pagan kings to chastise his people when they are in paganism and idolatry. So really, human government then is a gift from God Almighty. And as long as human government operates the way it's supposed to, uh, then it's a blessing. It's only when human government begins to rise up against the things of the Lord uh, that it's no longer a blessing. But anyway, the purpose of it is to bring a blessing of restraining evil in the world, setting order, and also God using that to discipline His people. Do you understand that now? Say praise the Lord. So we see human government in operation here. We see Darius uh, ask for a decree to be searched for, and that decree is found, giving the Jews the authority through human government to do what they're doing. Are you with me? Do you understand that tonight? Now, as a result of that in verse 6, uh, Darius's response to the finding of that decree is given. It says, Now therefore Tatnei, which is the governor beyond the river, and we saw him in the fifth chapter, beyond the river, he says, and then we got Shethar, Boznei, and your companions, the Af or this is a big word, isn't it? Afarsakites, <laughs> which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. So Darius says, now you leave this work alone. You, you let this happen. You let this go on. And not only are you going to not stop this work, but you're going to help it along. And this is all coming from a decree of Darius, a pagan ruler, after he's read the decree of another pagan ruler named Cyrus. Does that make sense? So you're not only going to not stop this work anymore like Cambyses did, but you're going to help this work along. You're going to further the work along here. And uh, so we're going to see here a king, a pagan king, who recognizes the benefit of the house of God being built. The church of the Lord God is never a threat to the government. It is never a threat to the government. If a government rises up and it's anti-Christ and it's anti-God and it seeks to eradicate the church, then that government does not have an understanding about the church because the church does not threaten government when it's in its right place. Amen. you understand that tonight? And so we have Darius. He's going to give a decree here that they are to help further uh, the work of the Lord along here in building the temple. So a lot of good things are happening now. The temple, after 15 years of laying dormant, they're working on it, and they've got authority from the government that this should be done, and we are going to help this along. So in verse 7, it says, Let the work of this house of God alone, let the governor of the Jews, the elders of the Jews, build this house of God in his place. Okay, verse 8. Moreover, I make a decree 
what ye shall do to the elders of the Jews for the building of the house of God, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, for with expenses be given unto these men, that they be not hindered. And that which ye have need of, both young bullocks and rams and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, oil, according to the appointment of the priest, which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail. So not only is he going to allow this work to continue, he's going to say, we're going to help it along. And all these sacrifices that they're going to make to the God of heaven, he said, if they need them, we're going to provide it. Now, you're talking about a pagan king here. You're not talking about somebody who understands the one God of the Bible. Amen. You, you see that. But a human government is involved here because human government is a gift from God. This king, though, recognizes the benefit of the house of the Lord being built. And so look at this in verse 10. He recognizes that when these offerings are made, that it will bring a benefit to him and his sons, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and of his sons. Isn't that amazing? So the purpose of human government is at work right here. It's holding back evil. It's holding back people who try to stop the work of God. It's maintaining order here. Are y'all with me tonight? It is recognizing the benefit of the church being in the world. So much so that a pagan king says, these people are a praying people. And when they bring sacrifices to God and they pray unto the God of heaven, he said, that's going to be beneficial for me and my sons. And I don't think this king completely understood, you know, about the God that we worship, but he did understand supernatural power. He understood that when people pray, amen, that something supernatural happens. So even a pagan king who didn't have a complete and total understanding of the God of heaven or even really the temple that was being built unto him, he recognized that there was a supernatural world. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And he recognized that people who pray can affect what happens on this earth. So he, as a pagan king, he's recognizing the benefit of having the church in the world. He's not trying to eradicate it or remove it. He's trying to help it along. He's got some wisdom about him as a king that there's supernatural things that he can't see that can only happen when people pray. And so we're a praying people tonight because we believe in the supernatural. We don't just believe in what we see. We believe in a supernatural God. We believe that if we pray, it's going to be beneficial to people. And it does benefit the government to have a strong church and a praying people in place. So I told you before that the king would recognize the benefit of the building of the temple of the Lord. And here it is right here in verse 10. I'll read it to you again, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Do you believe in the supernatural power of God? Amen. Well, we're praying people and we believe in the supernatural. But we believe, we know that who, who the Bible tells us that God is and that Jesus is God and that God will answer prayers. But this is a pagan that's saying this, okay? Now, from there, he makes a decree. And it's a real strong decree. And he tells anybody 
if you ruin the work of this house, something really bad's going to happen to you. All right? You with me tonight? Okay, verse 11. And this decree is not empty. These, this is not an empty statement that he's about to make. Okay? Because in recent history, this same man, Darius, impaled 3,000 men on stakes for disobeying his word. Okay? So what he's about to put in on paper in a decree about trying to stop the work on the house of God is very, very serious. Okay? So let's see what he says. Verse 11. Also I've made a decree that whatsoever shall alter this word, let timber be pulled down from his house and being set up, let him be hanged thereon and let his house be made a dunghill, a dunghill for this. He said, if you ruin the house of God, he said, we're going to ruin your house. We're going to tear your house down and we're going to take the wood that's in your house and we're going to use it to hang you on. And again, that's not, a, that's not an empty statement. He's, he did it. You disobey this king's word, you're dead. Do you understand that tonight? Okay, go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. In verse 17. Would you believe that that is also in the New Testament? That the same kind of decree or the same kind of statement is made in the New Testament? But this statement or this decree comes directly from the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I, I believe that his word is even stronger than Darius's. If Darius fulfills his word and says, if you ruin, my, ruin God's house, I'll ruin your house. That's a strong word. He'll, he'll do that. But notice what God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Okay, so if you're filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, you're a child of God, you are the temple of the Lord. Amen. And in this passage, he's talking about the corporate body or the church, the temple as a whole. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he's also going to make the statement, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And in that particular chapter, he's talking about the individual. But in this particular place right here in chapter 3, he's talking about the corporate body as a whole. Okay? So I'm looking at the temple of the Lord as a whole tonight where the Spirit of God dwells. And he says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now that's in the New Testament. So when we think about Darius making the decree, if you ruin God's house, Darius says, I'm going to ruin your house. God says basically the same thing in the New Testament. If you destroy the church of the living God, if you rise up and you fight the church or you destroy it in any way, God says, I'm going to destroy you. Wow, that's serious. So that goes for me, that goes for anybody in this church tonight. If you are destroying any aspect of the work of the living God, in this church, God says that He will destroy you. And, and that's a promise from God Almighty. So we got, we've got to take these things very serious when God talks to us. Okay, if we take a decree of a, you know, a pagan king serious, we've got to take the things of God serious. 
So I know I don't believe anybody here intentionally would ever want to destroy the work of God. Anybody here want to intentionally destroy the work of God? If there's anybody here tonight that you intentionally want to destroy the, God, the work of God, then this is for you. Okay? God's going to destroy you. And He knows how to do it. Okay? But how many of y'all want to build the house of the Lord? You want to build the house of the Lord. Okay, so if you build the house of the Lord, I believe God will build your house. If you start trying to undermine the work of God, you start trying to undermine the ministry, and some of you don't like this tonight because you're not right with God, and you know you're not right. And I'm not bringing indictment against you, but I know in the Holy Ghost, you are not right with God. You can't even hardly look at me right now because you're so messed up. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. God loves you. And if you have done anything to undermine the work of the living God, then you need to repent. God will give you a chance to repent. He will. He, if you'll come to Him and say, Lord, forgive me. I've said some things. I've done some things. And I know that's affecting the work of God here adversely. I ask you, God, to forgive me. Because those things that I have done and I have said are destroying, are destructive to the body of Christ and to the work of God. Now, I'll join you with that tonight. If I have done anything as a pastor or a human being that has affected this church or been a destructive thing to this church in any form or fashion, I repent tonight because I don't want God to judge me. It's a, listen, it's a serious thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. And I don't, I don't care if you're, you're preacher, pastor, prophet, apostle, saint, whatever you are, if you were involved in any way in undermining the work of God, you will begin to see things happen in your home. Your home will literally come apart. So I say that not just to you, but I say that to me tonight. God, help us to not be involved with destroying the work of God. I'm in the New Testament. And God says, if you do, He will destroy you. Everything, your house is going to come apart. It's going to come. It's going to go to pieces, man. You will not be able to stand. And it it may take a little while. It may take a little while. But just what you know, Cyrus or, or Darius said there in that Old Testament. That's a reality in the New Testament. Do you understand what your pastor's saying? How many of you want God to build your house, not destroy it? <laughs> God came to save you. He came to save me. I don't believe it's His desire that He destroy anybody. I don't, I don't believe that God wants to destroy anybody. I don't believe that God wants you to hurt anybody or harm anybody. But there's one thing that if you touch it, you touch the apple of God's eye. You touch His church and you've had it. Your life will begin to disintegrate. So what we have in the Old Testament, and I told you last week, in the book of Ezra, Ezra is a type of the New Testament church. The way God operates in the New Testament church is beautifully laid out in the book of Ezra. It is one of the most beautiful books I think I've ever preached or I've ever studied. I am so thankful that God put it in my heart to preach it to you, to this church, because it is so, it's such a beautiful picture of what God does right now in the lives of people. So I would just encourage you tonight. Amen. And you know, I would just say if the shoe fits, wear it. If you're the kind of a person you're always building the house of God up, building the ministry up, praying, 
all of these things, you don't have anything to worry about. But if you've been undermining the work of God or the ministry that's over you, you better get on your face. And you better pray. You better talk to God. You better ask God to forgive you. Because if you don't, you're going to have an ongoing curse that's going to follow you wherever you go. You can run to another church. You can run to another city. You can run to another state. You can go across the world. But if you have undermined the work of God, there will be a destructive power and force that will follow you wherever you go. And I'm not trying, I'm not putting a curse on you. I'm just warning you tonight. Amen. How many of you want to build up the, the house of God? Build up the church of the living, the living God. So if I reach out and touch any of you in this house, any of you as a, as a human being, if I reach out to touch any of you in this house with the purpose of destroying you, I know what I'm, what's coming to me. That's why your pastor, your pastor's wife, will never do anything to destroy any of you. Any of you have an idea in your, your mind that the devil has planted in your spirit that your pastor or the ministry of your pastor has created problems for you. That is of the devil. And you need to ask God to help you through that. Because I have... You come to me. I, I'm going I'm to open the door for you. If I've ever done anything to harm any of you tonight in this church, I want you to come to me after church and I want us to talk. Okay? Because if I did it, I didn't do it knowingly. Because I would never do anything to destroy anybody in the church of the living God. Are you understand what I'm saying? Either by words or by action. Never would I do that. And if there's any accusation moving in this church right now that your pastor or your pastor's wife is guilty of destroying you or anybody in your family, I need to meet with you immediately after church. Because I would never, ever, ever do that. Because I know that God would judge me and that I would be destroyed. Now likewise, church tonight, if any of you have touched anybody in this church with the intention of destroying them with your mouth, with your actions, anything that you've ever done, are you here tonight? And it, would, and it, and it hindered the work of God in somebody's life. If it stopped their walk with God, and you know you're guilty of releasing a destructive thing in that person's life, either by what you said or by what you've done, you need to go to God and you need to beg God for mercy that God would forgive you for destroying somebody that was in the church. Because if you have blood on your hands that way, you, are, you have released a destructive power of God upon your life. And God lives with you every day. I don't live with you every day. But God lives with you every day and He hears every word you've ever said. He, he knows every thought you've ever had. He knows every action you've ever taken. Amen? So we need to talk about this tonight. If you have, you need to ask God to forgive you. And I believe God will forgive you. Because if He doesn't, then what does that leave? It doesn't leave anything but destruction. It doesn't leave anything but hell. But I believe that God will forgive, don't you? 
but we got to be careful. We have to be careful with, with some of this stuff, amen? Because this is God's work. This is not Pastor Carter's work. This is God's work, amen? Before I'd ever do any harm to the work of God in this city, I would step down from, from being pastor of this church. I would never do that. Never. I would step down in a heartbeat. You, you hear what I'm saying to you tonight? Okay? So you need to get it in your spirit tonight that we're, we're working for God. We're trying to do something for the kingdom of God. We're not trying to kill anybody. We're not trying to destroy anybody by word or anything that we could do. We want to build you up in the things of God. The Bible talks about edifying. Even prophetic gifting is to edify. That means to build up the church. Prophecy is not to tear the church down. There might be some things in the church that need to be torn down so we can build it properly. Some things, but we're not trying to destroy people or kill people. We might need to get some sins out of the house. We might get some disorder out of the house. We might need to get some problems out of the house. Amen? So it can be properly built. But prophecy is for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's to uplift. It's to build. It's to make that thing stronger. It's never, never meant to tear down the work of God. How can a prophetic gift that comes from God tear down God's work? That's not the purpose of it. Amen. It's to edify. God wants to edify the body. He wants to lift it up. He wants to encourage you tonight. But before He can do that, if there's any destructive thing going on in the body of Christ. And you say, Pastor, why are you addressing this like this? I would address this if there were two of you. And then you'd have no doubt as to who I was talking to. Because I'm preaching to you the Bible. I'm not accusing you. I'm preaching to you the Bible. Amen. And I've been in this thing, I've been pastoring this church for 20 years, and I know human nature. Every one of us got a something that's worse than the devil in us. I said worse than the devil. That old fallen nature in you, and, and that if, if you let pride get a hold of you. See, pride, pride is the thing that causes the problems in the church. Pride is. Pride is the problem. Amen? You let pride get a hold of you, man. Pride's going to cause you to do things you'd never do. Well, where's that coming from? It's coming from that old fallen nature. Amen. So I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. There's only two of you. So Brother Mark and Sister Sonia, I'd be preaching the same thing tonight. And they'd be looking at each other and said, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? So I'm not preaching, you know, before you. I'm preaching to you. It's the difference between... There's a lot of preachers, they get up and they preach in front of people. Did you know that? They preach in front of people, right? And, and they're preaching, it's a pretty good sermon, it's a pretty good message, but I'm not just preaching in front of you tonight, I'm preaching to you tonight. I got three of you clapping your hand. Well, God bless the three. Amen. If we're not careful, man, that old prideful thing that's in us, that old human nature that rises up in us, and that thing that, you know, the accuser of the brother thing rises up in us, before we know it, we'd be picking off each other left and right. Oh, you know I'm preaching the truth to you. You'd be, we'd, be taking, we'd be taking each other out left and right. There won't be anybody left. 
We're going to kill everything and everybody in, in our... So when Darius made that decree, he said, if anybody run the house of God, he said, I'm going to tear your house. Can you imagine? I'm going to tear your house down. I'm going to take the wood of your house and I'm going to use it to make you a shish kebab. I'm going to impale you. Now, we're not going to do that to anybody tonight after church. But I'm just showing you a greater king in the New Testament said a similar thing. You destroy the work of God and He will destroy you. Hmm. Y'all ready to go home now? Scared half to death? I am. Hmm. I'm literally, I'm right now, I, there, and I'm not kidding you, I, there is a little fear and trembling on me right now. There is a fear and trembling on me right now. Amen. Because we're talking about the things of the Holy God. About a whole, see, someday I'm going to stand before the Lord, and so are you. Amen. And I, I only want to be uh, before the Lord in a good way, where He says, you know, enter into the joy of the Lord, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him to look at me and say, you weren't a good and faithful servant depart from me. You either work iniquity. Oh, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be faithful. I want to be blessed by God. Amen. And, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I am being truthful with you tonight from the Word of the Lord. This is not my opinion. This is God's Word. Um, I remember reading a book about Tekla Miriam the powerful move of God in Ethiopia. And so much attack from the enemy that came against that work in Ethiopia. And those people in that church, the leaders like Tekla Miriam, his wife, so on and so on forth, they, they prayed and fasted constantly for the work of God to be established. And when leaders or various people rose up against that work, to try to stop that work, um, they didn't, those, those men like Tekla Miriam and those leaders didn't do anything to harm those people. But God did. And it, it just kept on going and it kept on going and people kept rising up against that little church and trying to destroy that little church until one, one day a man tried to do it and, that, and God set that man on fire. Set him on fire. And he knew it was God because when they went to try to touch the man after he was set on fire, they, he was still so hot they couldn't touch him. They had to wrap him up and carry him out. He remained hot to the touch. It wasn't like God just set him on fire and he died, you know. The fire was still on that man. So they couldn't even touch the guy to move him. They had to wrap him up and carry him off. Do you remember reading that Jeremiah in the book? See? So, we're talking about in New Testament days. I've got an Old Testament passage, but I've got a New Testament reality. I've got a, a type and I've got a shadow here, but I have a reality. I'm preaching to you tonight. Amen. And I love everybody, and I, I hope you love me tonight. And I want to build you up, and I want you to be successful in your walk with God. How many of you know your pastor wants you and your family to be successful in your walk with God? If you, if you think any otherwise any otherwise you're starting to walk in a spirit of deception that is not from God 
Do you understand that? It's a serious thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God would judge you. I don't want my life to fall apart. And you lose your mind. You lose your mind. If you stand up against the work of God, and the things of God, you'll start losing your mind. You won't even be in touch with reality. Nobody even know what to do with you. You'll be completely, you'll just completely lose all touch in reality. You stand up against the work of God. See, and I'm not, not, I'm not wishing that on anybody. I'm just telling you the reality. I'm telling you the truth. God says it in His Word. If you destroy His temple, He will destroy you. You ruin His house, He'll ruin your house. You bless His house, He'll bless yours. Amen. So I want to build up the house of God. I want to build you up with the ministry that I have. And it should be your desire that you're building up the church of the living God. If it's your, in your mind to tear it down and destroy it, you got a hard, hard life ahead of you. Hard life. And the best thing to do is just get rid of it right now. Just, just get rid of it right now. Don't, don't even touch it. Just stay away from it. Okay? And let the Lord take care of it. Let the Lord take care of it. Because it's His. It's not mine and it's not yours. It's His. Let Him take care of it. Say Amen. Alright, so, praise the Lord. A lot of good things are happening. But right in the middle of those good things happening, you know, the King says, you're going to help further this work along. We're not going to stop it. You know, we're going to stop the stopping of the work. Did you hear what I said? We're going to stop the stopping of the work. We're going to let the work continue. The prophets are prophesying. The house of God's being built. And you, governor, you're going to help them along. Whatever they need. They need sacrifice. They need salt. They need wine. They need oil. They need bullocks. Whatever they need. We're going to give it to them. We're going to help them. And the king says, because I know these people are praying people. And when these people get a hold of God, it's going to benefit the king. And it's going to benefit the son. The sons of the king. It's going to benefit the government. Hallelujah. And, and I'm just going, he said, I'm just going to throw a little bit of fear in this thing too. He said, anybody try to ruin it, he said, I'm going to ruin you. Okay? So if you didn't get the good news, he said, I'm going to give you the bad news. How many of y'all want the good news? Well, just in case the good news is not good enough for you to keep you in the right path, God says, I'm going to give you some really bad news. I want the gospel. I want the good news. There's some bad news too to anybody who would do any harm to the work of the living God. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all believe God's Word? Jesus said, if you, do any, if you harm any one of these little ones, He's talking about children. But He wasn't just talking about children. He's talking about the people in His church. When he makes the statement, you do any harm to any one of these little ones, he said it'd be better for you for a millstone to be put around your neck and you be thrown into the sea and drowned in the depths of the sea. Better? That doesn't sound too good, does it? To have a millstone put around your neck and thrown overboard and into the sea and drowned at the bottom of the sea. That doesn't sound like a, too fun of a thing to, to go through, does it? But he said it'd be better for you to go through that for them, than for you to touch one of these little ones. He's talking about the church. Don't touch them with your tongue. Don't touch them with your, with your hands. Because they belong to God. Say amen. 
is because you're incredibly loved. You're incredibly loved. Now, if you're his people, then you, hallelujah, God's going to defend you. And that's what this king is doing. You see what he's doing? In this decree, this government decree, this is a protection from Darius. He's protecting the people of God. And he's telling them, leave them alone. You let them build. The only thing we're going to do is we're going to help them if they need some help, right? And if you don't, then he said, I'm going to judge you myself. It's a protection from Darius upon the people. If you belong to God tonight and you're where you need to be in God and in the church and you're building the work of the Lord, you have nothing to worry about because there is a decree that comes from the throne of God and that is a protection upon you. God will protect His people. He'll protect me from the evil of the enemy, the devil. He protects me. He protects you. You don't have to worry about it. As long as you stay in the will of God and you're building the things of God up, He will protect you. So we see the protection of God through this pagan king government human government it's a dispensation today now I don't know what you think about the current leadership we don't even want to talk about it you know but you better thank God that there is a government in place in the United States are you hearing me and we need to pray for them we need to pray for our leaders why? That you, that you may live a quiet and peaceable life. So that the laws that they put in place will protect the church. See, we, we can stand up and we can criticize the government leaders, you know, and, and point out their paganism. And I can point out a lot of paganism in Darius or Cyrus even. A lot of paganism in there. You know, you could even call these men Christian but they were human governments set in place by God to restrain evil, to maintain order. That's God's will. And there's a lot of problems in the leaders of our country. But what we need to do is we need to get on our knees and we need to pray for them. We do. Especially if they're not good leaders. We need to get on our face and pray. God, we ask You right now, Lord Jesus, that Your will would be done this. And Lord... Are you here tonight? Because, Lord, I want to live a quiet and peaceable life. I don't want them knocking on my door and taking me off to prison and, and, you know, cutting my head off, at least not right now. I want to live a quiet and peaceable life. How many of y'all want to be persecuted? I don't want to be persecuted. I want the protection of the government. And that's what Darius is doing. He's protecting the people. He's ordained of God to protect the work of God and the people of God. Praise the Lord. And he understood the benefit of having these people around. So how can we pray? Lord, let our government get a revelation that it's good for us to be around. Because if they don't get that revelation that it's good for us to be around, they might eradicate us. That's what they do in China. And that's why there's an underground church there. We went to China. We went over there. I want to tell you something. Church, as soon as we landed in China, you can feel the godless environment in China. You can literally feel it. If it wasn't for the underground church in China, who knows where the Chinese government would be today. You can feel the oppression of red China. You get off the plane. In fact, the sky is red. When they call it red China, that's literal. 
It's red. The skies, the heavens are red. You don't even see the sun in the daytime. And I understand that that has to do with pollution. But it's a country who said no to Jesus, at least at this point. You have to go underground in China to be a true Christian. You can practice Christianity uh, Christianity through the state-run religion, but it's, it's a joke. It's run by the government. They have their own Pope there. They don't even recognize the Pope. Hallelujah, are you with me? Of Rome, they don't even recognize the Pope of Rome. They have their own Pope in China. Are you here tonight? Our country is very quickly moving in an anti-God and an anti-Christ way. So I'm telling you, we need to pray. First of all, we need to thank God for human government. It is a gift from God that restrains evil and maintains order and it will protect the church as long as it's right. As long as the government's right. We need to pray for our government that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. Are y'all here tonight with me? At least you can see the sun. I don't know about California. But you can in Texas. You understand what I'm saying? It's a good thing to have government. You say, well, we, I don't even want to get off into this, this idea. Well, we need to do away with this one and maybe somebody, are you kidding me? It might be worse. <laughs> don't pray like that. Pray these people get a revelation of the importance of God. The revelation of the importance of Jesus Christ. The revelation of the importance of the church that they will put in, put laws in place or, or maintain the laws that are in place that protect the church. We're in critical times right now. You understand that? Amen. Everything that's going on in human government in this thing was ultimately to bring about the good of the people of God. Say praise the Lord. So, King says, don't touch it, help it. And if you run it, you're ruined. And that's what God, that's the way God sees it right now. Do y'all believe the word of the Lord tonight? Amen. Not an empty statement. Can you imagine you disobeyed that the word of the king? They took you out and impaled you. Three thousand of them in a different in another district. Three thousand people impaled on the stake because they disobeyed the word of this man. So when he wrote it, I, I believe they believed it. The problem with the church of the living God is we don't believe it. I'm just, I'll be honest with you. I've told you this before. How many people in Pentecost really do not believe in hell? How many of you out there today really, you really, now don't lift your hand, you really believe in hell? If you and I really believed in hell, We'd be living different. We'd be talking different. We'd be acting different. We'd be winning more souls. And I say, I know in theory we say we believe in hell, but do we really believe in the judgment to come? Serious thing. Do my children even believe in hell? The judgment of God is a severe thing. How many want the blessings of God in your life? I do too. I do too. 
So this decree is to protect the people of the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's to help them along in building the house of God. In verse 12 it says, And the God that hath caused His name to dwell there, destroy all kings and people that shall put to their hand to alter and to destroy this house of God, which is at Jerusalem, I, Darius, have made a decree that it be done with speed. He said, not only am I going to ruin the house of those who try to ruin this house, he said, let the God that it caused his name to dwell in that house, let him judge all kings and people that shall put their hand to destroy this house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And I'm going to amen a pagan king. I'm going, to say, I'm going to say amen to what he just said right there. Hallelujah. There's something I can agree with a pagan king on, and that is that right there. I can agree with a pagan king on that. I say amen. How many of y'all say amen to that? Amen. Let God. He's dwelling here right now. His name is here. He dwells in the midst of His church. Let Him destroy all kings and people that shall put their hand to altar and destroy this house of God which is at Jerusalem. Hadarias have made a decree, let it be done with speed. And that, that puts the fear of God in me. Does that put the fear of God in you? Do you fear God? Are you thankful for His protection in your life? Do you fear God? I fear God. I fear God. And I don't want to just say I fear God. I want to live like I fear God. And when people look at my life, I want, you know, because if you fear God, if you fear God, you won't talk wrong. If you fear God, you'll, you'll hear what your preacher's preaching out from God's Word. You'll hear it and you'll apply it and you'll live it. Because you fear God. If you don't fear God, you care less about what you say, about what you do. Amen. I fear God. Years ago, and I've told y'all this before, I was preaching this little message on a Wednesday night service and I don't know where the pastor was if he's out of town or what and I did my best just got up taught preached the word of God when I got through some young person in the church said they didn't, they didn't say that man really preached good tonight they didn't say that they said that man fears God that man fears God that's the greatest compliment that has ever been paid to me in ministry ever in my life. That was before I ever even started pastoring when I was just teaching for the pastor when he asked me to. That man fears God. Do you fear God? I fear God. I fear God. I'm thankful for the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It allows me to walk in wisdom and the things of God, how I live, how I relate to people, what I do in my life. Do you understand that? Fear God. But I don't want to just say it. I want it to be seen in my life by people. See, I can't be walking in pride. I can't be destroying the work of God. Do you understand? can't be fighting God and fighting the church and fighting the ministry and fighting the things of God and, and fear God at the same time. can't be walking in pride. can't do it and fear God at the same time. You fear the Lord, man, it'll, it'll get rid of that stuff in your life. It'll make you humble yourself, make you get on your face. You understand? 
cry out to God, God, don't let me miss it. Lord, I, I need Your mercy, Lord, because if I, if I don't have Your mercy, Lord, I won't be able to serve You right. I, I'm going to miss it somehow. I'm going to say something. I'm going to do something. Lord, I need Your mercy every day in my life. God, give me the mercy that I need to serve You well. I need mercy to serve You well. And if judgment has to be done by the leadership in the church, it always has to be done with fear and trembling. And it has to be done based on the Word of the living God because you're protecting the body of Christ, not trying to destroy the body of Christ. Say amen. And that's what Darius is doing. That's why he's saying what he's saying. I'm protecting the body of Christ. So in order to protect the body of Christ, if that means I've got to remove somebody that's destroying it, he said, I'm going to remove the person that's destroying the work of God. The only way that he could protect the work of God is by removing the evil that would try to destroy it. So anytime leadership in the church has to deal with or judge situations in the church, it is not because it's out of malice or vindictive. It is to protect the body of Christ. And this Darius, a pagan king, had a greater revelation of that than some of us. We don't even have that revelation. Do we? We need it, don't we? Because this is the type of the present day church of Jesus Christ. I love all of you. Hallelujah. But walk in fear. It's a good thing to walk in fear. It is. Good thing. Good thing. Amen. We're all, we can all be guilty, including your pastor can be guilty of pride. And it's, it's a destructive thing. I'm thankful for this example here of a man who had understanding that a church when it's being built up is a church that's good for the government it's a church that's good to pray it gets a hold of the supernatural God on the behalf of kings and their sons he understood the importance of severe decrees anybody that would be destructive in the things of God Amen I knew a young man that feared God so much. He told me one day I was in the youth service. He told me, he said, I've asked God to kill me if I'm going to backslide. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And I can tell you the name of that young man to this day. And I had just started, get, just had just recently gotten to church as a young person in a youth group. And that young man just, he and I sitting in that youth meeting that night. And he looks over me, he said, I've asked God to kill me if I'm going to backslide. What he meant by that, he says, God knows if I'm going to backslide in the future. And he said, I'm asking God to kill me before I do. That's a wise individual. How many of you fear God to that level that, that, you, that you could pray that prayer? Lord, you, you know if I'm going to backslide. Kill me. Kill me before I do. Paul understood the seriousness of the situation he was in when he said this. He said, he called himself wretched man. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man. 
O wretched man, who deliver, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. He said, I'm recognizing I'm carrying a dead man around with me everywhere I go. And that dead man that's in me is eating, eating the life away of me every day. It's eating the life out of me slowly every day. You understand the principle, don't you? As somebody guilty of murder, they take that dead man and chain it to that the person that was guilty of killing the individual. They chained the dead body to that person. That person had to walk around, carry that dead body around with them everywhere they went until that dead body started eating. The decaying dead body started eating into their flesh until it killed them. And Paul said, that's what I carry around with me every day. He said, I, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? He said, I'm a walking dead man. I'm carrying danger with me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. I'm carrying danger with me. As long as you're alive, until you make it to heaven, until I make it to heaven, we're carrying a dead man around with us everywhere we go. And, and it can eat the very life of God out of you. You're a wise person to say, like that man said, God, if I'm going to backslide, you know all things, God. If I'm going to backslide, Lord, kill me before I do. Take my life. Sometimes the longer you live for the Lord, the more in danger you become. You, you understand? It? Do we have that kind of revelation? Do we have the revelation that Darius had about putting a protective decree upon the people of God and the work of God which meant judgment? Anybody that would hinder that? Do we have the kind of revelation that Paul had that we're carrying a walk, we're, we're carrying a dead man around with us every day we live. And that dead man we're carrying around with us every day we live called that old sin nature. It can kill us every day we live. And we yield to it, give in to it, and take us out. I don't think I'd ever prayed that over my children, Lord. You know my children are going to backslide, Lord. Would you go and take them to glory? before they do while they're saved I don't think I could pray that prayer but that's how serious it can be it's a serious thing to fall into the hands of an angry God certain judgment certain, Paul talked about certain fearful judgment that's awaiting the sinner you're not saved you don't know God you're not in this church tonight Serious thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. That Jonathan Edwards preached that message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he stood up, he preached that, that message. That man, I don't know how much of God he had, I don't know how much truth altogether he had. I've never read all of his sermons. He's got like 12, over 12 books, volumes of, of, of messages that he preached, okay? I don't know what all he believed, but I'm going to tell you something. When that man stood up and preached about the judgment, certain judgment of God Almighty upon the sinner. It was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. History, the account of that event said those people on the, had their hands on the back of the pews and they gripped the pews so tightly their hands turned white. That one message shook the world. Sinners in the hand of an angry God. I 
A pagan king was in touch with it. Paul was in touch with it. God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. And He's a God of uh, grace as well. But He is also a God of judgment. Let us be found walking in fear. It's a good thing to walk in fear. David said it this way. He said, there's one step between me and death. One step between me and death. Only one step. He said, I can take one step and I'll be dead. Praise the Lord, church. That's why we have to be very careful in our walk with God and in the way we relate to the church and the work of God in our lives. And I, I preached to you a long time ago a message called Lashon Hurrah. Lashon Hurrah, which means an evil tongue. Lashon Hurrah, an evil tongue. God, God judged that. Severe judgment falls upon Lashon Hurrah, the evil tongue. The people in the church, they start using their tongue against the things of God. You see, when you do that, you're releasing something in the spirit. So we really need to get in, I, I think tonight, in, in touch with what Darius did when he put that decree of judgment in place. I do personally, and I, I believe that you do as well. We need to walk with where Paul walked in understanding. I'm carrying a dead man with me. I'm capable of destroying the work of God. There's one step between me and death. I want to do the work of God, but I want to tell you something, man. Something get up inside of you in a destructive manner. God gave me a revelation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'll I be real careful. Real careful. Because I know one thing. For sure. And that is that God is going to protect what belongs to Him. If it belongs to Him, He's going to protect it. If it's of God, if it's out from God, if it's of God and it belongs to God, it's eternal. Some things that belong to God are His Word. It's eternal. The people of God belong to God. It's eternal. There's some things that belong to God. You want to be careful. Because God has put a decree called His Word of protection upon the church. And that's why, why Cyrus did what he did. It was God through the man to restrain evil, to maintain order. And it was so important to God, he used governments, pagan governments, to discipline his own people who had gone astray from him. I think some of you tonight have been through some big things in your life. And if you're not careful, you, you get inside of you a, a desire that, that the judgment of God will fall on somebody. I don't desire the judgment to fall on anybody. I'm going to tell you something. If you could just see for about 30 seconds, 
What's going to happen to somebody who is eternally lost? You can only look into hell for 30 seconds. You wouldn't ask God to kill him, to destroy him in hellfire. You'd pray, God, I know, I know they deserve it, Lord, and I'm not questioning you're just God and what you're doing is right, God. But Lord, have mercy on what I say. When Cyrus made that decree, as I said, there was 3,000 people that had already been impaled in another district. When they heard the word of, of this man, they took it serious. And all I'm saying to you tonight is that we need to start taking the word of God and the things that belong to God very serious. Because what awaits the person who destroys the things of God, the church of God, is worse than being impaled upon a stake. It's eternal. And there's no amount of speech, there's no amount of things that I could ever tell you. I could preach the, I could preach hell out of the Bible to you, out of the decrees of God to show you that He's decreed an eternal judgment for the lost. Just like Darius did, Darius decreed a judgment upon those who stood up against a God and the things of God. I can stand up and I can preach the, the things of hell to you but there's no way that I could ever tell you with my mouth, even using God's Word, what awaits the sinner. Especially the sinner in the house of God. No wonder the prophet Isaiah said, the hypocrites in Zion in fear the trembling in Zion in the church there's a greater judgment that awaits you and I if we're lost than any man or any woman out in that world because you heard the truth there's people out there who've never heard the truth if they, if they had if they had one hour of the teaching you've had for 20 years what some of those people would do with one hour of that message and they have never had the opportunity to hear what you and I have heard preached from God's Word. A greater judgment is going to fall upon the church of the living God. Because you had the opportunity and, if you will, the luxury of hearing the gospel that so many people in the world had never, ever even heard. We need to fear the living God. And I, I thank God tonight for a king who put in writing a, a decree of judgment upon those who would rise up and ruin the church. But then he says, let God judge kings and let God judge nations. that shall put their hand to altar and to destroy this house of God which is at Jerusalem. I, Darius, have made a decree. Let it be done with speed. I have no eloquence. I have no eloquent speech tonight. I'm not relying upon that. I'm relying upon the Word of God. And I'm relying upon the Spirit of God to get a hold of me and to get a hold of you.
We need him to. Young people, we need him to. Are you glad he's a God of love and mercy? All the provision you need, just like Darius, all the provision you need to serve God. Everything you need, Darius is in that decree. Everything you need, he said, I'll give it to you. The God of glory, the God of heaven said, everything you need to serve me. In my word, he said, I've already decreed it. It's, it's available to you. Everything you need to make it, everything you need to survive. The blood of Jesus, one died on the cross, all that sacrifice, everything pointing to Jesus Christ. Everything you need has already been taken care of for you to make it to heaven. All the provision is in the Word of God, just like Darius' decree. But don't forget the judgment that's also in God's Word. I thank the Lord tonight for His Word. Because when I go home tonight, I'm going to be thinking different. I'm going to be thinking different. I'm going to be talking different. As I stand up here to preach to you tonight, it's changing me. This Word of God is changing me. You know why? Because I really feel tonight, I, I, I wasn't planning on spending 30 minutes on the decree of, of, of Darius in the area of judgment. But the Lord loves us enough tonight to stand in this house to plead with us. Will you hear? He's pleading with us. I was, I'm thinking of human beings. We haven't made it yet to heaven. And any of us, any of us, I'm not judging you, any of us can stumble. Even the best of us. Verse 13, then Tatnai, the governor on this side of the river, Shethar, Boznai, and their companions, according to that which Darius the king had sent, so they did speedily. Would you agree with me tonight that if, if a pagan king writes a decree like that and the governor's in the land who are set there to make sure that the decrees of the king are done. If they take the word of God or the word of the king that serious and they take it and they act on it speedily, we serve a greater king. And if God's word comes to us and it speaks to us, do you not also believe that we should be like this governor here and we should take the word of God and we should act and respond to it speedily. We should do with something, do something with what we've heard instead of keep coming to church the same way for months and months and even years. And pride refusing to let us get to a place where we take the word of God and do something with it quickly. See, if you don't do something with the word of God quickly, what happens is you just get harder and harder and harder. You harden your heart against the Word of God. Next time the Word of God comes to you, you don't respond, you get harder. And it's just a vicious cycle where you get harder and harder and harder till you get a place, to a place where you're gospel hardened. You can't respond anymore to God. 
because you said no so many times to God. The man had taken the tree of the word of a king and do something with it and he did it speedily. We need to do something quickly with the word of God. And it comes to us, I need to take that word. Okay, God, it's, it's not for my husband. It's for me. It's not for my wife. It's for me. I'm going to do something with this word tonight. Now see, if we're not careful, every one of us can think about somebody else that this word is applying to. <laughs> but us. Yeah, he said, oh yeah, that boy, that's hitting old brother so-and-so pretty good. Well, it's it's for you too. Now that's Yeah, that's hitting sister so-and-so. Yeah, that's for you too. You know, it's for your pastor tonight. I gotta take the word of God and I gotta do something with it quickly. When I hear it, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm 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 lining up right now. I'm I'm out of order. And if you put human government in the world to restrain evil and, and maintain order, how much more your word and your government maintain order. I'm gonna line up with your order right now, Lord. I'm you understand? God, say amen, y'all. You love, you love the word of the Lord? It's full of all good things, just like the decree of Cyrus, but it's got judgment. There's a judgment side. There's another side to this coin. There's a judgment. You take it, you do something speedily with that word. Amen? Now, please forgive me, but I hear this in the Holy Ghost, so I'm going to just tell it, give you this because I hear it in the Holy Ghost. Not because there's no hidden agendas, there's no hidden motives. Nothing like that from your pastor at night. Other than just to tell you this. Because I, I hear it in the Holy Ghost, okay? You believe what I said. That I don't have any hidden agendas. I'm not trying to kill anybody tonight or do anybody harm, okay? There was a young person in the youth group, and I was the youth leader at the time. And he got cross-raised with the pastor. And he was really having a hard time with the pastor of the church. He didn't like something about the pastor, something that the pastor did, or something the pastor said. And he didn't go to the pastor and talk to the pastor about it. He came to me, the youth leader. He started sharing with me his disagreement with the pastor. And I'll never forget his name. His name's Bobby Washington. I looked at Bobby. I said, Bobby, I want to tell you something. I said, you might not agree with that man, but that's the government of God Almighty. And I said, don't even think about touching it. Don't rise up against it. Don't speak against it. Okay? Because that is set up by God. And there will be times when you don't agree. There will be times when you disagree. But you better not begin to fight it. Against it. It is the government of God. And I said, Bobby, you need to learn about the government of God in a church house. That's why I'm telling you this. You have to understand that if a man is wrong, God will take care of him. God will take care of him. But Bobby, you need to stay in your place because it's God's government. Okay? Don't get out of order. Alright? You hear what I'm saying tonight? 
Now, I was telling that to a young man. I never pastored a day in my life. I was a youth leader, but I understood government. I understood government. When that governor got that word, that decree from the king, he knew what the, the desires and the wishes of the king were, and he took that without question. And he went and he did everything he could to make it happen quickly, speedily. This is the government. This is the king talking. I need to respond. And he did. And we as the church of the living God, we need, I feel like the Lord is really, I'll be honest with you, I feel like he's, he's um, realigning some stuff in us tonight. If there's anything that's dislocated or disjointed, it's not where it needs to be. God, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in the doctor's office with a broken arm or leg and they reset that thing? Man, I remember when I broke my right wrist, man, I was, I thought I was Tarzan or something. And I was hanging off of a, what they call monkey bars. You know, you put your legs on the monkey bars and you throw your legs over and you're supposed to land on your feet. And so I saw, I saw people do that, kids do that on the playground, throw their feet off and land on their feet. So I thought I could do that. So I got up on the monkey bars, locked my knees around the bar, grabbed to hold the bar down, I was hanging upside down and Try to throw my legs over, you know, land on my feet. Instead of landing on my feet, I came straight down, landed on my hand, and I broke that wrist. And it's just a hairline fracture. But it but it tingled and it burned and it hurt so bad. And uh, they looked at it, nurse looked at it in the office and said, It's broke. I said, broke, that's broken when it was hurting so bad. But I want to tell you something. When I went to the doctor, I remember the names, the guy's name, that's how bad it was. <laughs> His name was Dr. Gatz. I'll never forget that guy's name. Man, he got a hold of my wrist. He, re he reset that thing, and when he started smashing on that thing, put it back in place, it hurt worse. Him resetting that bone than when I broke the bone. You know? So when we get dislocated, disjointed, whatever, and then then somebody has to reset that bone. You, you, you're going to start, you're going to feel it. You're going to be hurting just a little bit. It's not going to feel good, but thank God, at least you're not going to be walking around deformed. It's going to hurt just, just for a little bit. Amen. But when you leave, you're not going to be walking crooked. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Your hands are not going to be all like this. You know what I mean? But I feel like the Lord tonight, maybe it's been painful for it's been painful for me to preach it to you. But maybe he's resetting this house. Let him reset it. Let him reset it. It hurts sometimes, but let him reset it. Because I don't want us to be crooked. He doesn't want us to be crooked. But it's more painful to be reset than to be dislocated. Thank God for it. So I believe in all the everything that's in this decree from Darius. All the good things, the blessings to help further the kingdom of God. Everything you needed. Everything. He said, everything you need, give it to him. Out of the king's treasures, everything you need. So tell him about the judgment too. Because we're going to refrain. We're going to restrain evil. We're going to make sure everything's in order. And there's a price to be paid 
if it's not taken care of and then you take this thing and when you get the desires of the king you go quickly and speedily do something with it say praise the Lord tonight church now what wouldn't what in the world would have happened to this guy this governor if he decided to do his own thing He's got direction from Darius, the king. It's a decree. It's written down. He knows exactly what the king requires. But he's going to take it on himself to do it his way. If Darius would impel somebody for running the house of the Lord, for disobeying his word, this man wouldn't have made it an hour before he'd be dead. If he took it on his on himself to alter the word of that king, the, the, the word of a Persian king was unalterable. It could not be changed once it was written. It could not be changed. And this guy comes and says, well, I'm going to take it on myself and I'm going to do it my way. He would have been dead before the hour was over. But he went out and he speedily took that word and did what the king, what the king's desire was. You can't take the Word of God and make it what you want it to be. You take the Word of God and you become what it tells you to become. You're not saved by the love of God. You're saved by the Word of God. Did you know that? The love of God is what motivated Jesus Christ to die for you to save you. But you're not saved by the love of God. You're saved by the Word of God. And to alter any of that is going to bring certain judgment. Don't alter it at all. They went out quickly, speedily. Say speedily. Well, when I, I'm telling you the truth, when I walk out of here tonight, man, I'm a different person. My, my, my thinking's different. Everything. I'm in alignment now. God's got me right where I need to be. He put me right back where I need to be. Hallelujah. I thank God for that. That's His mercy. That's His grace. Everything according to Darius, the king had sent, so they did it, say to me, speedily. And the elders, the Jews, built it, and, and they prophesied through the, or they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. So we see progress through prophesying. Decree in hand from Darius to build, to help it. Judgment, severe judgment, to protection of Darius upon him. They're out there making sure that it's implemented. The rulers, the governors, but progress came through the prophesying of the prophets. As long as they kept preaching, there was progress. They kept prophesying, there was progress. Amen. As long as you have a preacher in the house prophesying or preaching the Word of God, there's going to be progress. Don't get weary of it. Don't get weary of it. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get weary of the Word of God. Don't get weary of hearing a preacher preaching the Word of God and, and, and setting order in your life and restraining evil in your life and, and correcting situations in your life. Don't get weary of that. Thank God for that because progress comes through prophesying. Despise not prophesying. Don't ever despise prophesying. Thank God for every word that comes to you, every prophetic word that comes to you. Don't despise it. 
Because there is progress through prophecy. Can you imagine? I just, it'd have been neat, wouldn't it, Brother Mark, to have been there when Zachariah stand up preaching. He preached those visions that he had. Haggai said, I'm preaching. And they'll be working in him. They'll know the preachers preaching, 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 powerful preaching. It changed everything. It gave direction to the people. It, it set things in motion. They were bringing the word from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They had His government behind them. They had His word from the throne. They knew what His will was, His plan was. Are y'all here tonight? And that's what he, they were declaring to the people. And the people, like those who responded to Darius's decree and His government, the people in the kingdom of God were responding to the true King and His word and His ministers, His, if you will, governors. And as a result of that, the things of God were being built up. It was edifying. It was being built up. Hallelujah. The people were doing something with what was being preached. It wasn't disconnected from the Word. It wasn't disconnected from action. It was connected to the Word of God and connected to the action. When they got the Word, they started doing something with it. Amen. Haggai, the prophet Zechariah, the son of Edo, they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of the Dar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And if you take it and you put it all together, you will find out that, well, I'll just do it for you. I brought this. I might as well use it. Amen. I brought it. I might as well use it. This is a timeline. When we preached the prophet Daniel to you, we went through the timeline. And uh, front page gives you a lot of detail, but 537 B.C. we had the decree of Cyrus. 536 B.C. September we had the sacrifice on the altar in Ezra chapter 3. 535 B.C. foundations laid. Okay. 529 Cyrus dies after a seven year reign. 529 BC, Cambyses, his son, takes the throne. Five twenty two BC request Cambyses to stop the building of the temple. 521, Artaxerxes and Ahasuerus began their reign. In 520 B.C., Haggai and Zechariah prophesy. Okay. Five eighteen B.C., construction resumes. Yeah, if you can, please. Thanks, brother. 518 B.C. Construction resumes. Ahasuerus over there in the book of Esther banishes Vashti, the daughter of Cyrus, and the former wife of Cambyses. 515 Ahasuerus married Esther. 515 B.C. The temple is dedicated. So basically what I want you to see is in 520 those prophets started prophesying. They started building the house of the Lord. 
and then 515 B.C. is when the temple was dedicated. So it was about four, four to five years from the time they started building in the fifth chapter of Ezra to the completion uh, I've just read to you about. It's about a five, four to five year period of time. Okay, from the time the temple was stopped, stopped, stopping of the temple and work there until 520 when they started preaching is about 15 years. Okay, that gives you basically a basic timeline of what's happening uh, in this. I'm not going to go through all of that. That's thank you, brother. Appreciate it. That is, if you want all of this, get the teaching on the book of Daniel in the 11th chapter. Okay, because it deals with the 70 weeks of Daniel. Okay, so praise the Lord. If I'm not careful, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to pick that up and try to teach that too. But so anyway, the temple is finished now. Okay. And the Bible talked about the prophets prophesying and progress and the temple. It took about four or five years to complete. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. But after 15 years of it laying dormant, the work is now started, and then five years later, four to five years later, it's completed. Okay? Say praise the Lord. I mean, things like that are interesting to me. Because when I think about, okay, well, they started the work, well, how long did it take to finish? the work once they started the temple it's four to five years once they started the work before they completed it and rededicated or dedicated it to the Lord and 15 years from the time the foundation was laid it stopped until they restarted it 15 16 years okay y'all with me say praise the Lord wow so verse 15 this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king so God completed the work. It had been stopped under Cambyses, the son of Cyrus. Fifteen years of stop, prophesying the preaching of, the, of Zechariah and Haggai and Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest. They started building again. And uh, we have the completion now after four to five years of the temple. So no matter what the enemy tried to do to try to stop the work of God, he was unsuccessful. Now, I want you to think about this. God has the ability to reverse anything at any time He wants to. The enemy succeeded temporarily in stopping the building of the house, but ultimately the work of God was completed. He could only hinder it temporarily. So God reverses things. Only God can do that. He reverses things. And the temple is completed. Listen to me carefully. The temple is completed in the midst of opposition that had risen up against it, against all kinds of mixed signals. When you're serving God, you can count on opposition coming against anything you're doing for the work of God. There is always going to be opposition against the work of God. And there's going to be mixed signals. Okay, you with me? When you're doing the work of God. It's just the way it is. Mixed signals. I get mixed signals all the time. You know, I hope, praying to God, that you don't get mixed signals from me. But there's just mixed signals in doing the work of God and, and opposition, all these things. But God's work was completed. God has the ability to reverse things. But the enemy 
The enemy tried to stop. He did. He did stop. He was successful in stopping it. But God reversed his abilities. And that's the good news for you and I. And we're serving God. The enemy comes and maybe stop the work of God temporarily in your life, but God's going to complete it. He's going to complete the work that He's begun in you. And God can reverse what the enemy's doing in your life. And we have mixed signals and we have opposition, but we keep going and we keep doing the work of the Lord. Amen. Say praise God. And ultimately, God is going to finish His work. He will. He will complete it. And after the dedication of the temple, they celebrate the Feast of Passover for the first time in over 70 years. They're in captivity. In Babylonian captivity. And God, through His decree, allowed them to go home to rebuild the temple. And now it's time to celebrate the Feast of Passover. Over 70 years it hadn't been celebrated. Now they're going to celebrate it. The Feast of Passover speaks of Calvary. speaks of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He's our Passover lamb. And so now the house is built and the fellowship is centered in the person and the work of Jesus Christ typically. You understand that? So we're working as a church to build the kingdom of God. We're working as a church. Amen? For God's glory. For His glory. In the midst of opposition and mixed signals and all of this, but he's the center of our gathering tonight. He, he's, you understand that? So no matter what we're going through as a church, we always have an ensign. The prophets talked about an ensign that's lifted up, and that ensign—that's a—that's a banner, a banner, an ensign that's lifted up, and to him shall the gathering of the people be. That's what the prophets talked about. And so when we come here today, I mean, come on somebody. All kinds of opposition and battle and mixed signals and everything else. And we're trying to build the kingdom of God. But we're gathered around tonight as a body of believers. You and I, we are gathered together. Our rallying point, our ensign, is the person and work of Jesus Christ. You didn't come, I pray to God you didn't come to see me tonight. I pray to God you, you didn't come to see me tonight. I pray you, you came to gather around the work, the person and work of Jesus Christ. He's the reason why we're here tonight. Hallelujah. And as much as I love you, I didn't, I didn't come here to see you. I came here to see Jesus. I came to gather around Him, the person and work of Jesus Christ. That, that's what makes this work. When I come to church, why are you going to church? Because I'm going to gather around Jesus and His work. The person and work of Jesus Christ. He's the center of everything that's going on. He's the one I'm, I'm gathering to tonight. He's the one you're gathering to tonight. He's the ensign lifted up on the mountains. Unto Him shall the gathering of the people be. Tonight, let your spirit gather to Him. Let your spirit get to Him. And I know He's in you, but I, you, you understand what I'm saying? Make sure there's a vital union. A relationship with the, the Savior tonight. He's the reason why I'm here tonight. He's the reason you're here. 
if, they, if the devil ever comes to you and opposes the work of God in you and sends mixed signals to your mind, your brain, if you don't hear anything I've said tonight, hear this one thing. The reason why I'm not going anywhere is because Jesus is here. And if Jesus is here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to gather around Him tonight. I'm going to gather around Him tonight. Praise the Lord. The person and work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. Fellowship with your Lord and your Savior. Knowing Him. What a great God He is. You want to celebrate the Feast of Passover and it's going to be the first month, 14th day of the month. First month is the month of April on the religious calendar of Israel. You remember this? <laughs> when did Passover start? It started in April in Egypt. They killed the Passover lamb and they left the land of Egypt. The 14th day of the month of Nisan of April. They walked out of Egypt with a brand new beginning. With the blood applied to their life. And with the lamb inside of them. Amen? And so now when they get together here after finishing the temple, they're going to celebrate Passover and it's a declaration. It's a new beginning. The blood of Jesus is applied to my life and He's inside of me tonight by His Spirit. Hallelujah. It's a reminder to me of new beginnings. It's a reminder uh, to me of the blood of the Lamb that cleanses me. It's a reminder to me tonight that the Lamb is living inside of me. And He's living inside of you. New beginnings. Verse 16, the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the rest of the children of captivity kept the dedication of the house of God with what? It's joy. Joy will return. You're going to go through times of opposition and mixed signals. and God's work is going to be completed because God always finishes work. Amen. Joy is coming back. And joy, joy came back to these people. It's coming back to you. It's coming back to me. You can count on it. Verse 17, they offered at the dedication of this house of God 100 bullocks, 200 rams, 400 lambs for a sin offering for all Israel, 12 he goats. This is the sin offering according to the number of the tribes of Israel. That's another proof that all Israel was represented here. There's no such thing as 10 lost tribes. All the tribes of Israel are in the land right there and one sent one, the Bible says, one sin offering per tribe. Twelve sin offerings, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. It's not just Judah and Benjamin. All the tribes of Israel are represented. All the tribes of Israel are back in the land here in the book of Israel. No such thing as ten lost tribes. We've already covered that, remember? Some of you thought you were the lost tribe of Israel. We've already covered that. No such thing as the lost tribes of Israel. God didn't lose any of them. He knows where all of them are, every one of them. They set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their courses for the service of God, which at Jerusalem, as is written in the book of Moses, and the children of captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. Amen. The first month. You see, 
God changed the whole calendar in Egypt. The Passover, when that lamb was slain in Egypt, the Passover lamb, blood was applied. God said, this month now is going to be the first month on your calendar. He said, I'm going to completely change the calendar. It's going to be a brand new beginning. It's going to be a brand new, a new start to a new year. This is going to be the first month of the religious calendar for the Jews from now on and forever. That's why he calls it the first month. Praise the Lord. Well, April is January, February, March, April. That's the fourth month on our calendar. It's the first month in their calendar. Because God said, that's when I did a brand new work. Yeah, a new beginning. Are you with me? It's the, to this day, April, the month of Nisan is the first month of the religious calendar. September, Tishrei, the seventh month. Amen. The seventh month on the religious calendar, but it's the first month on the um, secular calendar, if you will. Did y'all get that? Then when we talk about Rosh Hashanah, the head of years, and Tishrei, that's the first year of the new year. It's the new year for Israel. Okay? But April is the first month of the religious calendar. The seventh month is the first month on the secular calendar, if you want to call it that. Okay, so you got all that, right? So we're talking about April here. The commemorating the finished work of Jesus Christ. And they're gathering unto Him. Verse 20, For the priests, the Levites, were purified together. All of them were pure and, and killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity, for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. The children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of Israel did eat. It wasn't just Israel that gathered here and celebrated the Passover, but it was Gentiles. The heathens in the land. When they saw Israel, when they experienced the witness of the nation of Israel, and they built that house, that witness of Israel and the building of the house of God, the shedding of the blood of the Lamb, when they saw all of that, they said, we want that. And pagan, heathen, Gentiles came to faith when they saw the witness of the church and the Lamb. You understand that? Do you see that? God's always had a place for the Gentiles to come into the church through the finished work of Jesus Christ. They purified themselves, separated themselves from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of Israel. They ate too. Isn't that awesome? Gentiles. Verse 22. Kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. Say with joy. For the Lord had made them joyful. And turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Time of great celebration, time of great joy. They've been through all kinds of testing and trials and battles. But God turned it all the way around. He reversed it. And now these people are rejoicing. God will bring your joy back at some point. He will. If you just if you just main, maintain your walk and remain faithful to the Lord. You serve God. Serve Him in fear. Serve Him in fear. 
and He will restore your joy. Amen. Weeping endures, but for a season, joy cometh in the morning. Amen. So it's it's important that when you're going through obstacles and all kinds of mixing, everything's going on around you like that, that you just keep on living for the Lord. Rally around Him, gather around Him until your tears return to joy. He will restore it to you. He will. He will. That's, that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. And it's typically laid out for you tonight. And I pray it's been a blessing to you. Would you stand, please? Father, I give you praise and glory and honor tonight for the church. I thank you that I'm a part of the church. I thank you tonight that I'm redeemed by your blood. Thank you for the mercy, Lord, that you've bestowed upon me and my life and my family and my children. Thank you for the blood that cleanses us from evil, purifies us from the filth of the land. Thank you tonight, Lord, we stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that tonight, Lord Jesus, that we as a church have come to gather around you, your person and your work. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, that that always be the goal, the common goal of this house. Let your will be done in and through us, Lord, tonight. We're thank thankful tonight for the gifts that you've given us, the gift of human government, the gift of salvation, eternal life, your blood. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to reverse desperate situations in the midst of mixed signals. Thank you, Lord, for restoring joy to your people. It will return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold on to the precious Word of God as you leave tonight. God bless each and every one of you. Appreciate you being here.